Whoa. What's up, baby? It's Connor Hallway, a.k.a. Big Boach. You already know the deal. Listen, man, before I move on, I just want to shout out the GDP producers. I won't single them out, but three of the GDP producers this week nailed guests. They went on on their own, and they called up people, hit them in the line, harassed people, and persisted, kind of like I've done every single day for the past two, three years. They let themselves be cycled for a little bit, and so I'm very, very proud of them. Shouts out to them. They're also killing it. Additionally, ma'am, we just ran an episode with Bo- Jose, the Boston Mass Raymond. Jose is a is a, a former IFBB pro. He's newly retired, and he's a bodybuilding legend in Massachusetts, and he talked a lot about how he came up. He was very open. He talked about how he came up. He talked about steroid use and how it's kind of a necessity he talked about his nastiest meals he makes these nasty chocolate eggs and this like trail mix stuff and uh, he's a really really good dude and i thoroughly enjoyed the interview if you're at all into the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness i hope you guys like this one and also Jose's opening up like a, a megaplex of a gym in either malden or melrose um which would be sweet also man we are moving full speed over here as you know I want to grow this into the biggest show in the city. I want everybody to enjoy it. I want everybody to get really good, valuable content from it. So hit me in the DM if you're getting anything from the show. And just share it with a friend, man. That's all we ask. All right. Until the next episode, this is Connor Hallway and Sammy Spielberg. Take it away, baby boy. Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Hey, enter. Just, you forgot to enter. Correct. Jose, what's up, boss? How you doing? Good. I'm just going to hit the camera over here real quick and just get everything all situated. I'm Connor, by the way, man. Nice to meet you. Connor, nice to meet you. And, and uh, what, what is your girlfriend, wife's name? Michaela. Hey, Michaela. I'm Connor. Hi, Connor. Nice to meet you, honey. Thanks for setting this up. I'm pumped. Of course. So I don't have, um, I don't need the headphones. No, I just do it to look sexy, man. There you go. <laughs> Let me get this all situated real quick. All right. All right, sweet. Hey, I, I appreciate you bearing with us. We've been trying to make an effort to go live recently, so I, I'm sorry if I've been blasting your social medias apart. That's all right. Hey, man. Well, so I had told uh, a bunch of uh, my friends that I was running this, and I think the general consensus from a lot of my dude friends were like, yo, this is going to be a sweet episode, man. <laughs> so uh, I, on, my, on my phone right now, I have my producers, Brendan and Sarah Slugs. Slugs and Brendan, say what's up. Hey, how are you? Hey, Jose, how's it going? Hey, yeah. Good. So uh, real quick before we move on, would you mind just giving a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? What I am. <laughs> I'm Jose Raymond. I'm a, I'm a retired IFBB professional bodybuilder. I competed for uh, 27 years, both amateur and uh, professionally, from everywhere from Boston in my first show to Tokyo, Japan in my last show. I've competed and or guest posed or or made appearances all over the world. I couldn't even tell you how many countries, everywhere from China, Japan, Korea, to um, Czech Republic, Poland, 
um, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, India, anywhere you can think of. Um, and it was a wild ride. You know, I'd love to still be doing it. I still train and, and heavily involved, but, um, you know, some injuries and father time catches up to everyone. And uh, I had a hip replacement a little over a year ago. Whoa. What was that like? That sucked. You know, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I was limping for two years in pain and finally got it done. Um, it, it's good now. You know, I feel a lot better. The, the other hip is going too. So I'll have to get that one done um, in the next year or so. So, um, you know, that's, that's it. No, I don't mean to sound brain dead when I ask this, but is a replacement, is it a prosthetic hip or is it like actually somebody gave you a donor brand new <laughs> hip? No, it's, it's uh, titanium. Uh, there's a plastic cup with a, a titanium head and uh, some ceramic on the, the actual. It's about this long. They drill a hole into your femur and stick it in. And so there's a brand new head and brand new cup. And uh, it, it feels great. You know, it's so much better than it was. Now, how long did you know you needed that for before you got it? So, like I said, I was limping for around two years. So I was in a lot of pain and it just continued to get worse. And then probably around four months prior to the surgery, I was in agony just sleeping, laying in bed. Uh, I, there was sharp pains running down my leg, down to my shins. And, uh, you know, I, I knew it. I had seen a surgeon in probably February of 2018. Uh, and he said, you need a new hip. I said, well, I'm, I'm already, uh, uh, actually it was 2019. I said, I'm already, you know, scheduled to do all these appearances and these competitions. And he said, well, go do the best you can and come back. You need a new hip. So I did that. I, I competed in the Olympia. I competed in, uh, in the 212. Right? Yep. Yep. In the 212 division. So I did the Olympia. I did Korea. I did. Um, Where? South Korea, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. They don't let us up <laughs> in North Korea. What, um, what was that like? It's beautiful. Korea is awesome. I did it uh, four years in a row. People passionate about bodybuilding over there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's growing continuing to grow and they have a amazing um, um, um fitness community over there uh, it, it, it's growing every time we went it got better and better and better and um you, you know the beautiful people beautiful country um and how, was, how do you assess that it's growing when you go over just like the shows are bigger people are giving you more attention when you go over from year to year yeah, exactly. So there would be an amateur division along with the pro division. And that's how you judge how it's growing. Um, each year, the amateur division was growing um, by numbers, more and more competitors, and by quality. The quality of the competitors were getting better every year. And people were flying in from all over the world to come and compete there. And, uh, you know, the prize money was growing and just the interest all around, you know. Um, the gyms and, and, you know, it was just, um, you know, people still reach out to me today from, from Korea. 
you know, checking in on me and, and saying hello and just great people in general. When you had initially started, like I, this was something we were talking about a lot. How much has bodybuilding globalized like over the course of your career? Is it, is it the past five, six years where it's becoming like, all right, every time you go out of country, people are giving you a lot more attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, even back in the day, there was great competitors worldwide, you know, uh, Samir Banu is Middle Eastern. He's a Mr. Olympia guys like, uh, Mohammed Makaway. I mean, I mean, even the world's greatest bodybuilder ever, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's from Austria, you know, so it's the, the market specifically though, like, for you to go over there and do shows. Yeah, it, it is. It grew a lot um, just due to social media because, you know, maybe 25 years ago, they wouldn't have known who I was. Um, but because of social media and all the, um, you know, you have everything at your fingertips, everyone knew who I was. So promoters of events um, worldwide would be reaching out to me. Uh, whether it be to compete in their show or to come work a booth or do a seminar or, you know, come guest pose. Uh, the, the opportunities certainly grew a lot more for someone like me because I wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. I wasn't Lee Haney or Jay Cutler. I was just a, you know, a 212 guy. No, man, you were the Boston Mass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, uh, a that's like my favorite nickname. Yeah, me too. When did you claim that? That came around 2009. Um, uh, one of the writers, uh, a big writer in the industry for muscular development, Ron Harris, he's a local guy too. Um, he came up with the, that was the, the name of, of an article. The Boston Mass. Yeah, exactly. You, you were stoked when you saw that article, right? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Oh. And it just stuck and it, it um, you know, it grew. It grew as, as my, as I grew and my placings were getting better and better and getting wins and, and uh, you know, it just, the whole thing took a life of its own. No, I don't mean to be like super depressing right now, but are, are you still able to hit the gym? You got a home gym right now that you can still hit? Uh, no, I don't have a home gym, but I do go to a facility a couple times a week, uh, you know, we're really not supposed to, but there's a place um, locally that it's not a gym. It's just there's some equipment there where I can go and get a pump. And, uh, you know, it definitely makes my day. I feel a lot better. Um, but, no, I'm not in full-blown training right now because it's, you know, hit or miss when I can get out. And, you know, you don't want to go when there's a lot of people there as well. Uh, there's only a handful of people that know about this place and that are allowed to go. So I'm very careful about it. I don't want to, you know, contract something and, and bring it home to my wife or have her go see her family and give it to someone else. So very careful and try to minimize my exposure to other people right now. I hear you. It's wild, man. I was, uh, I was downtown like Faneuil Hall this time last week. And it like really did look like an apocalypse. It was insane. Yeah, it's scary, man. The worst part is you don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe when you watch the news or, or watch something on YouTube or see stuff on social media. I don't know who to believe or who has an agenda. Or, you know, so for now, just to be safe, I, you got to 
abide by the rules to a degree and, and minimize your chances of contracting something. Now, you know, from the numbers, it's, it's mostly people with pre-existing health conditions and <coughs> older people um, that are, are getting hit hard by it. But I still don't want to, you know, I don't want to get it, but more importantly, I think I'm strong enough to fight it off. You know, I may have already had it. Who knows? Um, but I certainly don't want to give it to a family member and, who's compromised. You know, Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I talked to somebody who had it, and he was like, dude, it feels like you just have sand in your throat. I'm like, that sounds awful. Oh. Yeah, it does sound awful. I, I really feel for people who, who are hit by it and, and obviously people who are dying by it. But, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on where, you know, a friend of mine's father just passed away the other day and, and you know, he had been fighting for a few years, you know, it, it had been going. And then they list his cause of death as COVID-19. And, and, you know, I'm not sure that's the cause of death. You know, he, he had uh, Parkinson's and he was... Oh, oh, and they're saying that the COVID like kind of sent him over? Right, right. Which it may have. I, you know, again, I'm not educated enough on these facts and I don't think anyone is. Because, you know, people are only speaking to serve their agenda, you know, you know their narrative. And, and I am not buying it. I'm not, I think there's something bigger at play here. And... I just don't know what it is. Have you always been the type of guy to, to question like mainstream media or is it, is that something recent? To, to a degree. But no, this in particular makes me, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist guy. Um, you know, I, I will listen to anything. Uh, I'm open to discussion for just about anything, but I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not someone that's just going to believe anything I hear. It has to make sense. And this is not making sense to me. It, it is not making sense. I don't understand it. You know, when people are like, you know, the, the flu kills more people than this coronavirus. Why, why weren't we shut down the last couple of years? You know, I don't know those exact numbers. You know, people can spit numbers out and show them to me. And how do I know those are real? You know, that's where I'm at right now. I don't even know if I believe anyone. So I'm just being me. I'm doing me. I'm trying to be healthy and, and as strong as I can be to fight off the disease if need be. And more importantly, fight off people that are going to come and, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Oh, man. Are you going down that rabbit hole, Jose? Who knows, brother? You, who knows? I'm just trying to, you know. Have you ever seen The Walking Dead? No, see, I, I don't, I don't watch that stuff. I don't. I wouldn't, man. I'm not into zombie apocalypse. I mean, you know, I'm a realist. If it's real, if I can see it, touch it, feel it, then it, then it's real. But I don't believe in. I never seen a zombie. Have you? Absolutely not. But if we, <laughs> if if we had to start an army to kill off all the zombies, you'd be the first person I'd recruit. Yeah. Well. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so just a, a real quick rewind. Your first show was in Boston. Where was that? It and was what, at the Berkeley Performing Arts Theater. 
What really? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. It was back in 1993. That was back when there was only one show. There was only one show in all of New England. You know, there were a few little shows around, but that was the show. And there was only a few divisions, like men's bodybuilding and women's bodybuilding. And today you have seven different divisions between women's figure, bikini, uh, wellness, men's physique, classic physique, bodybuilding. So um, back then it was a packed house. I had been training most of my life. How old are you at this point? 18. Oh, so you've, you've been in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. My older brother got me into it. We, you know, we were training for sports, for football and wrestling and, and just to be stronger and to relieve some stress. And it grew into, you know, me and a lot of my buddies trained, but they didn't look like me. You know, I always had a lot of muscle. So my brother said, you, you know, you do really well in this. Let's try it. And I wasn't too excited to go on stage and little posing trunks. And, but once I did and I won. And, you won and, the first comp? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a big show. It was, you know, over a thousand fans and it was loud. And, you know, previously I had played mostly team sports where you rely on other people. And, and uh, you know, this kind of gave me that feeling where this is just me. I don't have anyone to rely on. I don't have anyone to blame. It's just me. And, you know, I was good at it. You're in control. Right. So winning that, that, you know, really gave me the bug. And I competed every year I could from that year moving forward. Now, I know it's grown a lot, but were you a one-of-one when you started out in Boston? Was there anyone else that was really doing it? Obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was was a ton, you know. um, um, I mean, that was winning on on a pretty major scale like you. So... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, Jay Cutler is from Massachusetts. Jay's the biggest name in bodybuilding ever to come out of Massachusetts. He's a four-time Mr. Olympia. He's, uh, he's Central Mass, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But even before... But you're Boston. You're the Boston Mass, man. Yeah. Well, there was another guy named Paul DeMeo. He was from Malden or, or, or Everett. And and um, um, Mike Matarazzo, they were both... Um, from the Malden Everett area, and they were very good. They they were professionals. Uh, neither one of them ever. Um, I don't think either one of them ever won a pro show or or placed at the Olympia. Um, they were big guys. That was before there was a two twelve division. Um, they were both two fifty, two sixty type of guys. You know, huge. Um, but yeah, they they were before social media. So, I mean, they were both very popular, very sought after as far as sponsorships and, you know, guest posing appearances. And they were really, really good. Um, But they were just before the social media thing where, um, you know, if it weren't for social media, I may not have been as well known, you know, worldwide as I I was. the, the timing was good. It was a blessing and a curse. One, the blessing because it helped me, uh, you know, promote myself and, and get a lot of opportunities not have otherwise. But it was a curse because that's not my forte. I came into the game long before social media. And now you're getting people who, you know, they get sponsorships by how many followers they have 
or how many likes they get as opposed to the um, quality of their performance, you know. There's a lot of guys who, who make a hell of a lot more money or, or get a lot more opportunities than I did who couldn't stand next to me on stage. But they're very good at promoting themselves through social media and, and things like that. Well, how did you uh, acquire the, the branding and the marketing sense as you went along? Was it just something you kind of picked up? It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. you don't have a, a prevalent following by this point. I know what you're saying, though. Like, I get it. Well, if you go and look at someone's Instagram, for example, they have 500,000 followers. They have 5,000 posts. I have like under 700 posts. You know, I, I just don't post a lot. I, you know, I, I was way more active when I had a sponsor because I had to post for them and, and do things like that. Um, but I had some friends along the way that would nudge me and say, listen, we got to get some more content and it would help me film either YouTube videos or, or Instagram stuff. And uh, I, I like doing this kind of stuff, just talking freely. You know, I would do some, a lot of Instagram live videos and um, that's more authentic to me. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's real. I don't like the nonsense. People posting dumb pictures that are Photoshopped or, or, you know, are all filtered and, and, you know, where I, I just like being me. If you like me, then fine. If not, that's fine too. Um, I, I hear you. When, when you were, when you were coming up initially, how were you monetizing your career before like you had a lot of appearances and backing were you working jobs and then like yeah yeah i was a trainer you know i started training people when i was 18 as well so you know and that wasn't quite as big back then now everyone and their mother is a trainer or a coach or you know and you know i was able to fund my entire career myself i paid for all my flights and my hotels and my contest prep and my food and travel and all that. Um, but it wasn't until I got sponsors where they paid for the flights and hotels and all the supplements and things like that. And, um, you know, and then in my pro career, um, you know, a lot of the, 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 the promoters of the events would pay for my flights and hotels and whatnot, because it would, it would benefit them to have me in the, in the show they'd be able to sell more tickets. So, so what are you just like, you're training at a gym in, in the city and then are you just in the gym 24 seven when you're coming up? Yeah, I was. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'd get in there by five in the morning, do cardio, eat breakfast and start training clients. And I would train people, you, you know, sometimes. What, what was the name of the gym? I trained at a ton of them back in, uh, oof. Trained people out of Gold's Gym in Woburn. Trained people out of a, a gym, a great gym in, in Burlington. It was called the, the World of Health. I was there for 10 years. Where was that? In Burlington. It was um, right off of 3A. There was a, a, an ice palace attached to it, a hockey place. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had a lot of clients there. It was a great location because it was by some well-to-do towns, Winchester, Lexington, Burlington. So I had a lot of clients there. And then rich, that- gym, The rich clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people that made it a priority to be healthy and- All the dads that wanted to get jacked that were yeah, working yeah. jobs downtown. Yeah. And uh, then I worked out of a place called Today's Fitness. 
in Woburn, um, and then Greater Boston Fitness in Revere. When did uh, when did franchise gyms start becoming really popular, like BSC? Because now that's like everywhere in the city. Yeah, well, franchise gyms were popular out of the gate. You know, um, once Gold's Gym came along and World Gym, um, those were all franchise gyms, and and then you know. In the last 10 years, you've, you've had like LA Fitness and Boston Sports Club and, uh, and Planet Fitness, things like that. Um, you know, I would say obviously in the last 10 years, it really exploded. Um, but, you know, for me, I prefer a mom and pop type of gym, you know, because they have more say over what they can do there. You know, when you are, are a franchisee, you have to abide by the rules of the franchise so you have to use certain colors you have to plus you get a kickback to them a certain percentage every year and they don't necessarily do enough for you to to warrant what you're paying so um you know i definitely prefer that's why my favorite gym is greater boston fitness in revere because that's a privately owned gym and you know they they took on the more of a hardcore type of atmosphere with the old school equipment and, and where they invited, you know, body bodybuilders. A lot of the chain gyms are frown upon the meatheads, the, the bodybuilders, the power lifters that, you know, that are going to use heavy weights and do deadlifts and make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When in reality, you know, anyone who's a serious trainer, bodybuilder, power lifters, they, they have more respect for the gym for the facility in general than your average Joe, you know, because they need it. They use it every day. They don't want to break things and bend bars and, and disrespect people in there. They want to be able to come and do go and do what they you know need to do. So, you know, I really appreciate the privately owned gyms a lot more. I don't know if we're, we can talk about it, but are you allowed to talk about your project coming up? Yeah. I mean, there's very little to say as of right now, you know, um, you know, with this COVID. Also, sh shout out to Scott Brandolini for making this happen. That's my guy. Yeah, Scotty's awesome. Scotty's been a friend of mine for a few years. He took care of all my food, hard body meals. If you need anything. Bomb. You can go online and order. You know, they, they will customize your food any way you want. So uh, go to the hardbodymeals.com and uh, check them out. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, his wife's awesome, Felicia, beautiful, sweetheart of a lady. Um, but yeah, they, they got a good thing going. Um, so that project is, is, it's not on hold, but it is on hold because of what's going on right now. Um, but we have a facility in Malden that, that we're a, a huge building and, um, it's going to be more along the lines of what I was talking about, more of a privately owned um, getting input from the, the, the members of how they want it and, and what they need and, and you know, ca catering to everyone's needs. You know, there'll be food, there'll be, uh, um, you know, the bodybuilding aspect, but there'll be every, everyday Joes in there that, you know, just want to come in and do, you know, do their cardio, do their circuit training. There'll also be functional training for athletes and, and, you know, there'll be a huge array of everything for everyone. I don't want to single out anyone and, and 
make anyone feel unwelcome there. So now, did you always know when you were competing, you're like, all right, when I retire, I'm going to go build a bomb ass gym in my city. That was always the dream as, as a small kid, when, you know, I was coming up training me and my older brother be training in the basement. And, you know, we used to make our own equipment to make pull downs and push downs. And, um, that was always the dream because you know, you work for other people your whole life. Eventually you want to be the one running the place because you see how they do it. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't, you know, this is how I would do it. Well, the only way to do it is to do it. So, you know, that was always the idea. Uh, It's just a matter of getting the right partnerships and the the right um, uh, funding because it's a very expensive project. You know, um, but right now I have a great partner um, and, and we're heading in the right direction. We, we just got to get through this storm right now and, uh, and, and, and get it open. When you were young, you built your own lap pull machine? Yeah, yeah, we made <laughs> this insane. Yeah, so we screwed a, uh, a, a, I don't know what you call it, a screw into the, into the um, beams of the basement and the ceiling. And we put like a clothesline, you know, a clothesline where you can pull the rope through. And then we, we took a hockey stick and drilled a hole in that and tied a knot on the other side of the hole so we could do push downs and we could do pull downs. It was pretty awesome. You've always been the chosen one, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we had a lot of fun, you know, not only training, but learning how to do different things and, um, you know, learning how things should feel. And there's certain pieces of equipment I wouldn't even bother using because it's not designed the, the way that I would feel it, you know? Now, this is going to sound totally random, but has there ever been moments where you're just bored of showing up to the gym? You're just like, I'm here every day. Like, No, no. I mean, you might be bored of a certain atmosphere or, or turned off by certain people around you there. Or, um, but never, never am I bored of that feeling that I get from training. You know, um, I always feel better after training, even if I'm sore, lightheaded or joints aching. There's a certain, um, what is the word? Your uh, sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Well, that is sense of well-being you you just feel better you're in a better mood and um you know no no i've never been bored of of training Uh, even if it looks like i'm doing the exact same workout it's always different in one way or another i always change it somehow where i'm not you know and i don't do it i don't know it's hard to explain i do it's it's i'm trying to build something i'm trying to do something and and uh, each time I do it, there is a sense of accomplishment. Whether or not I lifted more weight than I did the last time, it's more a feeling of accomplishment. And, and, I, and I, I always get something positive out of it. When did you start turning the corner on like becoming obsessed with it? When did that happen? Uh, pretty quick. Uh, you know, once I realized I was good at it, once I realized it made me feel better, you know, I was as a young kid, probably eight years old, you know, I was doing pull-ups and push-ups and, and, you know, playing around with weights in the house and, and 
I was good at it. You know, my brother would have friends that were six years older than me and they couldn't do what I was doing. And they would laugh. They'd be like, yeah, try this. And I would do more than them. And, you know, I knew straight away that I was good at it. That, you know, I didn't understand genetics at that point in time, but I knew I was good at it for a reason. So uh, it always made me feel good to do it. I hear you. So when you, uh, there was never a point in your professional career where you're like, all right, I'm all in on this. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to do anything else. I'm, I just asked because like, I'm at a point with building what I have here and I'm just like, wow, I'm like burning all the bridges behind me or man, this is like what I want. This is like all I'm going to do. So during my amateur career, my, my, my goal was never, it was never to be a pro bodybuilder on the Olympia stage because they didn't have a lightweight division. They had one division with Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler. And those guys were huge, you know, talking a hundred pounds heavier than me. So I was, you know, that was never my goal. I, I, I knew I wasn't meant to do that, but in 2007, they developed a lightweight division, which was a, uh, which later became the 212 division. And I was like, wait a minute, this is something I can do. So after one or two pro shows, I knew that I not only belonged, I knew I could be one of the best. So that's when I went all in. <laughs> and, I you. Uh, you know, I spent the better part of 10 years being all in. Um, you know, I, I ate, slept breathe shit and walk bodybuilding you know uh, for better or for worse and it it turned out to be a a very successful uh, venture for me you know um i enjoyed it thoroughly uh, i still do enjoy being part of it you know to a certain degree and um i will always be involved one way or another when you were coming up what was your si- your sample bulking meal like was there one one thing you would just hit consistently over and over as far as like what age what do you mean let's let's say you're out of season you're bulking you're trying to gain like 20 pounds of mass in the off season what was the one thing you were housing consistently so i i didn't have a lot of money when i was younger so was was things like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches you know anything to increase my calories it could be ice cream it could be you know muffins uh, pasta big you know I didn't have a lot of options I, I could only eat what I could afford um, you know later once I had sponsors and I could afford pretty much anything I don't I care about that foo-foo stuff though. I want to hear about that that gritty like what were you eating when you were alone in the gym like you're like cans of tuna with potatoes oh, yeah. yeah exactly I lived off of tuna most of my career um, I had a thing of it today I love canned tuna. Yeah, yeah. I use the baggies. Now they come in bags. Oh, you're you're foo-foo, man. Yeah, yeah. So tuna, rice. Do you like it in the oil? No, just the water. Once in a while, I'll use the oil, but that's obviously going to be more fat. More expensive. And I, um, you know, I, I would just, I got so used to the taste of it that I actually enjoy it. So it's, it's not a big deal to me. I have grits and cream of rice and peanut butter and, you know, 
whatever it takes. My yeah, I, I saw you say something really interesting in an interview when we were doing some research for this. You said, uh, I, like, I don't get why dudes complain about having to eat six times a day because I used to only be able to eat one meal a day. I was, like, pumped that it was part of the sport. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you know, um, I, I wasn't wealthy. Uh, um, quite the contrary. Uh, uh, um, opposite, you know. When I was growing up, we, we, we didn't have a lot. So, um, you know, you didn't know when your next meal was coming. Um, with bodybuilding, you have to eat four, five, six. Some, some people, I got a friend, Robbie Gould, eats 10, 11 times a day. Crazy. He's a 300-pound guy. I, I couldn't eat that many times if I tried. But, yeah, it, it is um, – you're blessed to be able to compete in bodybuilding. It's, it's – very few are wealthy, but you can't really be a bodybuilder and be dead broke because you gotta you gotta food afford your your uh, food and your supplements. What is your caloric intake right now to maintain your physique? Like, what do you have to eat on a daily basis? So, well, right now we're in a quarantine, and I'm not getting as much exercise. I'm a little. I weigh about two two twenty two something like that. Um, you know, I'm still eating most of the same things. I'll have eggs, um, cream of rice, tuna, rice, but but I eat a lot of garbage too. You know, um, pizza. We we had pizza yesterday. Um, whatever my wife feels like cooking. Um, we you know we, we we've, been, we've been off track since since the retirement since the 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 hip replacement um i have yet to get into a real structured dieting situation when you were pro though for maintenance oh um it would be all most of the same i would eat the same stuff you know i'd have you know eggs and steak in the morning with cream of rice then a few hours later i'd have rice and tuna but then, you know, one meal a day, we would go out for sushi or uh, burgers or steak. And, and that's where I made up a lot of the calories. Well, pre, pre-workout, I would have a, a muffin, chocolate chip muffin. Um, I utilize my calories pretty well. Like, I would always try to have those real heavy calorie-based foods around my workouts. Were you tracking at this point? well you know i don't track it in the sense of writing anything down once you've come accustomed to doing something for so long you can tell just by looking at it what it is if that's going to fit into your situation even when i was you know getting ready for the mr olympia i wasn't writing things down tracking i knew exactly what i was going to have every day and i pretty much eat the same meals day in and day out at the exact same time of day and then, you know, if I needed to lose some weight, then I would back it down. If I needed to gain some weight, I would up up the calories. But I was never one to, like, put something in a computer and say, oh, I need, you know, an extra 1,112 calories and I'll be all set. It was never like that. It's more going by feel and how I'm looking, how my performance is. Am I strong? Am I feeling good? That's shifted completely. Yeah. Like, I'm not just saying free specifically, but everyone tracks now. I mean, just average Joe tracks his calories. Like I know. Well, because, you know, that they, they're not a pro bodybuilder. So they wouldn't really understand 
how to do it. Like if I had to go change the brakes on my car, I would need a YouTube video to, to, to show me how to do it. And I'd be looking, watching, you know, someone else would just go do it. You know, you got the radar now. You can just look at something and say, all right, that's eight ounces of sirloin steak. That's exactly. Calories. I know exactly by looking at something pretty much if that's what I need. That'd be a great game show. They'll just like reveal a food and you'll just stare at it. Like, all right. That's yeah. Four, that's four ounces of tuna. That's a hundred grams right there. Yeah. I can do that with people too. I'm usually pretty spot on with heights and weights. All right. Give me a guess. Well, you're sitting. All I can see is your head. Um, I'll, show you, I'll show you the gun. That's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So, put your arm out to the side. No, no, straighten it out. So, what are you, about 5'9"? No, sir. You shorter? No, sir. You, it's hard to tell. All right, let's say you're six feet even. No, sir. Five one. I'm six foot three. Are you really? I am. Oh wow! All right. Well, if you were in person, I'd obviously be able to tell that. Give so me three. I've been cutting. I've been cutting for four months. I'm, I'm like I'm about to dial my calories back to maintenance, probably. But I've been eating at about a twenty seven hundred calorie, and that's a deficit for me. So if you do the math, you could probably guess how heavy I am. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to tell. Six three is tall. And you, you look like you have some muscle on your arms are real good. So uh, I'll say 185. Close. I'm 179, and that's as small as I want to get. There you go. That's good. You're lean. Well, so I fast every day. I do it, and I'm interested to hear what you think about intermittent fasting. So I'm kind of a psycho with the fast. I'll push it to 22 hours if I have to and smash all my calories in a two-hour window. Oh, wow. What are you – what are your thoughts on fasting and muscle gain? Is it, is it achievable? Obviously not to get a physique like yours, but. Um, well, so the more muscle you have, the more you're going to burn. And the longer you go without eating, um, I think the, the more likely you are to burn some muscle. Um, so I, I wouldn't advise fasting for 22 hours for a bodybuilder, someone who's trying to gain muscle. Um, you're calling me crazy, aren't you, Jose? No, you know, <laughs> I am a psycho man. <laughs> you could be. I, I just, I've tapped. you know, um, no, I would never advise going that long. Have you ever before. tried fasting? Uh, no, not on purpose. You know, um, I know of some people that will fast between what, like nine and noon the next day or something you know, nine at night to, and then they won't eat anything until noon, which, um, I think that's doable. Soft. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I could do that just because one, you know, with my schedule, I get up and do cardio as soon as I wake up from bed. Fasted cardio though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I will be starving after that. You know, it's not just a leisurely walk. Usually I'm busting my ass for 45 minutes on a step mill, soaking wet, and I would be starving, you know. So I'd have my first meal right after that. Now, why is it that you get up and do cardio instantaneously? Like, what, what is the scientific be benefit of doing that? 
so you don't have any food to utilize. So rather than burning food in your system, you'll be burning body fat. It's just a more efficient way to... You're using ketones. Yeah, you're using using, uh, your body fat as opposed to to the food or the carbs in your system. You know, same, same ideas when you do post-workout cardio. So you've burnt through most of your energy stores, weight training. Now you, you'll, you'll, you'll be use, utilizing fat more efficiently to do cardio post-workout. So I did all my cardio workouts first thing in the morning, fasted, and immediately after I trained. Can you give everybody a quick synopsis of what the uh, the old chocolate eggs are? Because those kind of sound disgusting. <laughs> so I would buy like Giardelli. Uh, or, oh, that's like thick, dark chocolate. Yeah, but, but it's just the powder. It's unsweetened powder. And I would put like two tablespoons of that in my egg whites. And then I would put like two tablespoons of Truvia. And then a little bit of... Um, uh, of sugar-free maple syrup on top of it and mix it all in and it would be delicious dude you're sick yeah you know why because i would have like two cups of egg whites for breakfast and then i would have two cups at night and that's a lot of eggs you know you just get sick of eating the same thing so i uh dressed it up a little with some chocolate there was no calories it was just delicious do you have any other nasty meals in your repertoire like that Oh yeah, I would eat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would eat like tuna with a little bit of honey mustard, and I would put like uh, trail mix in it. <laughs> you you got to you got to trademark that. Yeah. The yeah, the, the Jose trail, pump mix. Trail mix, yeah, that was delicious. It just helped you. You get sick of eating the same consistency, so if you throw a little tra- trail mix in it, it gives you a little crunch. You know, it just changes the consistency. It tastes a little better. Brendan and Slugs, how's that sound to you guys? Say it again. <laughs> Not for me. Yeah, I don't blame you. Hey, do you guys, uh, Brendan, you want to ask Jose a question? Yeah, sure. So can you just talk a little, about, a little bit about steroid use in the sport and Well, you know, you're, you're pretty open about your steroid use, right? Well, I'd be an idiot not to, you know, it's not something that I condone. I, I think that everyone should do their own research and make that decision. I've said it many times. I don't think people should use it until they're 30 years old. I don't think you're a full grown man until you're 30 years old. And how do you know what you're naturally, naturally capable of? until you've exhausted every other option. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're 19 and you're already on a massive cycle of steroids, like you, you don't know what you were naturally capable of. So if anyone asks me, I always say, just wait, 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 wait till you, wait till you've really seen what you're capable of. So um, what, what was the question more importantly uh, as far as steroids within bodybuilding? 
So say you do take them at 30 or 40. I mean, are there, can there be any repercussions if you don't do it the right way? Of course, of course. It's like any other drug. Um, steroids were made as a way to help people, you know, to help people recover from either injuries or, or muscle wasting diseases or, uh, you know, they were developed for a reason. And there is a, a, a healthy, responsible way to do it. And, um, you know, if you abuse anything, whether it be, you know, you have surgery, they give you painkillers to help you recover so you're not in agony the whole time. And you slowly, you only use so much. If you take way too many of them, you know, you end up with, you lose your kidneys. You end up with tons of bad shit happening to you. And steroids are the same way. You have to use them responsibly. And, um, you know, I'm not going to give numbers, but, you know, someone who's taking 3,000 milligrams of testosterone a week, you're asking for trouble. It's totally not necessary. Um, you know. Um, is, that what, is that what you took or did you test out a bunch of different types? No, I never. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't take 3,000 milligrams of test. No, no, I, I, I mean, just tests. Like, were you trying out other stuff? I saw yeah, some I mean, there, there, different, there were some crazy scientific names that I couldn't really read. Yeah, there are, there are different compounds for different purposes. You know, some will make you strong. Some will make you bigger. Some will help you recover faster. Some will help you to get leaner. Um, and you obviously don't want to use them all at once. There's a time through your prep that you would utilize each one. And um, if you're smart about it, they'll work. But ultimately, you have to understand that it's just an aid. It's just there to help you. You have to do the work. You have to get up and do your cardio. You have to do the you know, the diligent dieting and not screw up and get your rest and train like an animal, train like nobody else is training in order to get the results that you want. Um, they're just an aid. You know, I know tons of people who take, who took, you know, double, triple what I was using and couldn't beat me on their best day. Um, so, it, it, you know, there's a genetic component and then there's just, you know, people are crazy. You can't make up for hard work with an extra drug, you know. There, there's, there's drugs everywhere. Every sport, bodybuilding is no different. Um, baseball, we know what happened with baseball. Football, um, every sport, even basketball, even track it is everywhere. Um, you know, because there is a competitive advantage. If you're stronger, you have more muscle, uh, 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 or you're, you're, you're moving faster, you're able to recover from your workouts quicker, to get better to the next workout, um, you're going to benefit from them. Well, yeah. I, know that, I know there's a plethora of steroids right now. What is like the industry standard that most athletes take? Is it clombuterol or am I like totally in the woods? Well, no, I mean, if you had to pick one that most everyone uses, uh, particularly in bodybuilding, would be testosterone. And that's the basis of, of every, um, you know, cycle, testosterone. Test. Yeah. Um, what is trend? 
trombolone. Trombolone is um, is something that they used to they used to come in in pills, big pills this big, and they would staple them to cows' ears, and the cow would absorb that and grow, and they would be gigantic. And someone, um, ooh, I think, phenoplex is that is that what they were called? Phenoplex or something? And someone figured out how to turn it into a, a liquid, you know, melted it down and, and made it into a steroid, an injectable steroid, and people were getting crazy from it. Um, that's, that's one of the most um, popular um, aggressive compounds there are. Um, but again, you, 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 it's one that you don't want to abuse. If you're doing 1,000 milligrams of Tren a week, you're, you're asking for trouble. Um, I, I don't think you need more than 300 milligrams a week and you'll get great results from it. Um, again, I don't want this to come off as I'm endorsing it. I, I don't, it, it's a necessary evil within the sport and within the sporting world, not just bodybuilding, um, fighting. Well, what's what's interesting is that even people outside of bodybuilding, my friends, obviously I'm 24, so I'm young, but, I think it's becoming more socially acceptable for people who are not competing to take it. I know a lot of dudes who want to try, try testosterone, maybe even test HGH. I think there's a, is it LGD4033? Are you familiar with that compound? Yeah. Those are like uh, SARMs or, or some sort of, uh, I, th that came later and that, that was never something that I knew. I, don't, I didn't know anything about them. I can't, answer you as to what it is i know that there are some that help you with your appetite some that supposedly help with um joint integrity and um but i don't know anything about them i don't even know i know one of like rhp6 or something is helps you with your appetite helps you eat more whatever but no i don't, I don't know anything about that. sounds like fun man the meat and potatoes of of that is is testosterone and um you know other steroids um, you know obviously growth hormone too but again you, you want crazy shit what's the shit where like you're like dude you're taking that what's wrong with you um well you, the the crazy stuff would be like epo which is i don't have a good understanding of that but it's 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 um something that can kill you in a in a anything that can kill you quickly you know the, the diuretics you know people use the night before a competition those are things more likely to to kill you um you, you're not gonna die from a shot of testosterone you, you probably won't die from a shot of 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 uh trembolone. Uh, you would have to really abuse it over a period of time you would have to have a pre-existing condition, a, a, a genetic abnormality to die from something like that. But things like, like diuretics or EPO, you can die pretty acutely, pretty quickly um, from that. I just, I don't advise any of that. When you started bodybuilding, I'm sure like you had, you had a, a general awareness. You're like, all right, I'm probably going to have to get into this or I want to get into this at some point. How calculated were you in your approach? Did you like map everything out? Like, all right, this is how I'm going to do it. Or were you like, all right, I'm just going to test the waters and adjust as I go. 
Yeah, it was more of a test of the waters. I had already had a lot of help from my older brother as far as, um, you know, nutrition, dieting, training, cardio. Um, but that's something you have to develop a feel for as you go. Um, I thought I was doing cardio, but I was just riding my bike around town. And it wasn't high intense cardio. I wasn't really burning fat at the level that I needed to. So once I really buckled down, I started in 93. It wasn't until like 99, 2000, 2001 that I really was able to nail it. And the light bulb went off. I'm like, wow, okay, this is what I need to do to really be my best. And it, was, it required a lot more effort than I was putting in. You know, I was able to get away with beating most of the teenagers and, and, you know, some of the beginners. But once I went to the national level, I was doing the USA's nationals, and um, I had to step to a whole new level to be able to beat those guys. And, you know, like I said, a light bulb switched. And from that moment forward, I knew what I had to do to prepare for competition. Slugs, I'm going to let you get one off too. You got one? When you had your hip replacement, what happened when you weren't able to be in the gym all the time, constantly? How did your diet and conditioning change? I just started drinking more. <laughs> I was, was, what are you drinking? Was, I was drinking beer. Drinking beers. Um, no, I, it was it was a little depressing. Um, be, you know, you're facing one more terrorism. I felt I could run through a brick wall. Can you hear me still? Oh, just give it a sec. You're, you're breaking up a little bit. Yeah. That's a little better. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're great. So. Must have been that alien interference, man. Like back to the conspiracy theory. Yeah, there's one around here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I went through um, a little bit of depression. Um, just coming to terms with all of it. You know, I'm retired. I'm likely never going to compete again. Um, you know, will I be able to train the way that I was, had been accustomed to? Will I be able to relieve that stress? Will I, you know, um, my, am I the same person? Am I, you know, you, you become known as the Boston Mass. You, you know, you are a monster for years. And, and now how do I adjust to just being Jose Raymond, you know? Um, and, and yeah, that, that, that took some adjusting and it, I'm still adjusting. Um, but I, I wasn't planning to compete or anything. So I wasn't doing any real heavy dieting. Um, I did lose weight. I had to lose a lot of weight in order for them to perform the surgery. You know, they don't want you to be jacked, you know, doing the surgery. That can create a lot of complications. So I had to lose about 25 pounds to have the surgery done. And then, um, you know, my weight's stuck around, you know, 210, 215 for a, a little while. Once I was able to start training again, around, you know, three months later, I was right back up to 240 and um and then the, then this 
quarantine hitting them back down to 220s. But uh, yeah, my diet, to answer your question, my diet didn't, it wasn't really stringent. I I wasn't really strict with my diet. Um, Had I been planning to compete or something, yeah, I would have, I would have been very keeping an eye on my diet so I don't get fat, Um, which I didn't, I didn't get fat because I was very active. You know, they have you up walking as soon as you wake up. You know, you have crutches, but within two days, I was using a cane. And within, you know, two weeks, I didn't even use a cane. Now, that's a good segue. So how do you, like, feed your ego now, now that you're not competing? I don't, when I say feed your ego, I don't mean, like, you're being a dickhead. But I mean, like, we're, like, dudes. Like, you got to catch wind sometimes. Like, how have you channeled it? I haven't. There's no... uh... Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't done anything. The best thing I can do to actually feel good about myself is, is go train. And, and I actually get those endorphins going and I, and I feel good. Um, but the, you know, those days of me being on the Mr. Olympia stage, those are gone. There's younger, better guys coming up that are, that's, it's their time. And, and, uh, you know, I have to, face that now the things that i would have to do in order to uh have a feeling of accomplishment is to set my goals and and achieve them and one of them is is to get that gym going i was gonna say you're gonna channel it all into your business though right and that's that's the idea that's the plan and um you know I, i and i will get back into training more on a consistent basis and and I want to be in good shape and I want to be strong, but you know, it's the reality that you you cannot train at that level forever. You just can't. And I'm all right with that. I just need to have somewhere else to channel it and the business will be it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm sure you'll find the same way how you can cut, how you got obsessed at the pinnacle of your career, you're going to be able to translate it so easily into the business. I, I just see yeah. it happening. And, you know, as well as helping others, you know, when I have a client that, that's a complete beast and I see them making changes and, and making progress and, and winning shows, that's a whole high in itself. You know, that, that's a great feeling as well. I, I, you know, I love to be able to help someone be their best so, you know, I'll spend a lot of time, you know, helping other people to to reach their goals. You know, they don't know how to do it. So uh, I will I will get that high from helping them. Now, I, I, I've noticed a trend, and I don't – you could probably speak to this, but are the most successful bodybuilders, do they – do most of them have the most devoted wives? Cause I saw your wife make you some meals. It seems like these wives go balls to the walls for these bodybuilders, preparing the meals, cooking the meals. Um, yeah, I, I think it depends on the situation. Um, How does your relationship work with your wife in terms of your prep or when you were prepping? It was excellent. She was, um, <laughs> well, cause she's a competitor too. So she, understands um the needs and what we got to do so 
to make the ship sail. You know, we we both got to be up early, and she would be making her breakfast. She would make mine. Um, um, you know, oftentimes we would have sponsors, but even when we had um, food delivered to the house, it, it would have to be prepared and heated up. And you know, she was always helpful, and, and especially at the competition when um, you know, because I would have a lot of responsibilities to you know, doing meet and greet, meeting all the fans, going to meetings, going to weigh-ins. Um, and I, it would either slip my mind, I would forget. She'd be like, hey, you got to eat. You know, she'd have my food waiting for me. So, you know, it's definitely a team effort, you know, and, and the lucky ones have someone who's understanding and, and uh, wants to see you succeed, you know, so they they do their best to help you. Hey, man, you having a good time? Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I had a blast, man. This was awesome. I like the deer. Thank you. I'm gonna, when we get off the phone, I'm going to figure out a place to ship you a sweatshirt. What do you wear, a double X? Yeah, that's good. I, I do not have a triple, so the double's going to have to do No, a triple will be like a dress on me. Okay, sweet. Um, real quick, just before we close out, what are your thoughts on um, – like some of the popular diet trends, like a paleo or a, a carnivore diet. Have you thought about ever like dipping into that or are you just totally regimented? Mm, no, unless for some reason I had a health issue that required me to do so. I don't, you know, I like the food I eat. I like variety. I like, sometimes I like vegetables. I like. You um, like that chocolate egg nastiness. I love the chocolate egg. I haven't had it in a while, but um, you know, I like variety. I, I don't want to be stuck with just, paleo diet or, or the carnivore diet where it's just meat and um you know i listen to joe rogan's podcast and he speaks very highly of it and uh he did some sort of transformation with it um i just you know what i i like fruits i like vegetables i like pasta i like rice meat. you ever tried keto no no i don't think keto i've never seen a world-class bodybuilder win on keto it's good for weight loss it's good for someone who's like morbidly obese to drop a lot of weight in a quick time but it's not necessarily good to produce big brown muscles i had a terrible experience with it i was eating like hamburgers like soaked in butter and bacon blue cheese yeah and i just like i was and like what happened it felt nasty you shit your pants Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, so question. I'm like, I'm reaching like critical physique for myself right now. I think I probably have a solid, like, I think I'm probably like 9%, 8% body fat. So I'm pretty low. Obviously I'm not, I'm not Jose Raymond status, but how would you tap into fat loss at that, that last like one or 2% you're trying to lose? Well, I'd have to know what you're doing. If you're doing a lot of cardio, then you'd have to change the, the diet. If you're doing, you know, very little cardio, then you'd have to add some cardio. My cardio is I, I, I have a Fitbit. I log at least 21,000 steps daily. And then I also, I lift, well now obviously it's changed. I, I was doing like reverse pyramid training with some good compound lifts, but now I'm going weighted pull-ups. Do, do you do any isolated 20 minutes of hardcore hit cardio on a, bike or a treadmill or a step mill or anything like that 
infrequently. Yeah, so you try that. Try it. 25 minutes as hard as you can. Like do do you know, 3 minutes as hard as you can and then 1 minute recover. 3 minutes hard as you can, 1 minute recover. Do that for 25 minutes. Do that every other day and you'll get a lot leaner. And then if 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 you've only got a little leaner, try doing it every day until you reach your goal. You don't think it will spike my hunger? Sure. Eat. Oh, I don't know, man. Eating. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always did a ton of cardio so I could eat, you know, because my, my body required a lot of food. Um, well, I didn't require a lot of food to get, you know, to get bigger. But I, I required a certain amount of food to maintain that muscle. And if, you know, and, but I also required a lot of cardio to get lean. So what do you, again, I don't think I ever got the number, but like, what do you think calories just baseline you, you were eating daily? So when I was dieting, it was, it was pretty low. Um, 2000. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I had, I had my metabolic rate tested and it was somewhere around 4,000. So I was burning oh, fat. You're probably so hungry. Yeah, yeah. I was always, always at a deficit, and always, um, you know, I would eat just enough to to get through, and um, you know, achieve the goal. My goal was to always be absolutely shredded. So, um, you know, that's why even now I'm 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 fat, but I'm not as fat as I could be considering some of the things I eat, you know, I have, I do have a, a decent metabolism, luckily. F favorite exercise? Favorite. Uh, it depends on what I'm training or what hurts that day. If you're just pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love doing deadlifts. So, you know, that's a pretty, um, that's a total body you know, it requires everything, your focus, your squats. But, you know, my knees and hips are are taking a beating, so I don't enjoy everything quite as much as I did at one, one time. I still do them, though. What's your favorite vein? <laughs> Dude, uh, I, got, I, got a kill, I got a killer lower ab vein right now that I'm pumped about. Yeah. I like the one that pops out of my wife's forehead when she's yelling at me. It's a very political answer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I had a blast, dude. Hi, buddy. Hey, hey, so we have a segment at the end. It's called GDP Sales Mode. So okay. we're, we're going to cut you up some content. And I would, you can either pitch yourself, like why you're the man and everyone should look into what you're doing. But in this case, I would pitch the new project you probably have coming up. Yeah, that's what I would think. And so we're, we, we'll give you the floor for 40 seconds to absolutely rip it. Yeah. All right. Well, three, two, one, sales mode. Here we go. Um, there will be a gym coming in the greater Boston area that um, blows away every gym in the area. Um, every other gym has been focused on one thing. And, um, you know, my focus is going to be to serve everyone. It'll be a one-stop shop. 
you want to be able to go to the gym and get not only your workout in, your cardio, but you want to get your pre-workout. You want to get a post-workout shake. You want to get a meal. You want to learn how to eat. You want to have massage, physical therapy. You want to have functional training, bodybuilding training. You want to have a sauna. You want to have uh, um, everything at your fingertips. And um, that's what this is going to be. Um, so keep an eye out. Follow my social media, the Boston Mass, the Boston Mass on Instagram, and um, I'll be putting up some updates soon. And um, you know, as soon as it's ready, everyone will know about it. So thank you. I I will definitely, definitely show up to that as soon as it's constructed. I would love to come see it. Yeah, you let me know. I'll, I'll get you some passes. You bring your friends. Sweet. All right. I'm met. I'm imagining there's going to be a lot of hot chicks over there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a public gym, so I'm sure there'll be some hot dudes, too. I love it, man. Well, hey, this is how we end the show. You got to say hi, your name. So, hi, I'm Jose Raymond. And this is my golden hour. Directly after, no break, hi, your name. And that was my golden hour. So, it's this is, and then that was. All right. Hi, this is Jose Raymond. This is my golden shower. And absolutely uh, not. <laughs> All right, cut. Hi, this is Jose Raymond, and this is my golden hour. And say it again. Hi, this is Jose Raymond, and that was my golden hour. You got it, man. Slugs and B, what do you think? First try. Hey, man, thank you so much. I'm going to, when we get off the, uh, Air, I'm gonna try to snag an address so I can ship you out a hoodie. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. Text me. I will. You're the man. Thank you so much, man. You got it, buddy. All right.